Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Join me, please, uh, as we read uh, the first part of Genesis 50. And I will be reading from the New King James. I know in, in um, prior times when I went through the story, I was using a different uh, version, and it was up on the PowerPoint. I'm not doing that tonight. <clears throat> then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned him seventy days. Now, when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Before, behold, I am dying. In my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan, there you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. So Jacob has died, and Jacob is named alternately as Jacob and also as Israel. And he was embalmed in the ways that um, they did back then in Egypt. And I've seen this on television. It's fascinating how they use um, the salt and the different steps that they take. I'm not sure that they took all of the steps here, but I'm sure they did use the salt part, and it probably did take a long time. And they, um, because he was the father of um, such an important person to the history, the recent history of Egypt, uh, the nation also mourned for him. And, that, and during this time, Joseph, uh, he had remembered the, the conversation he'd had with his father and how his father wanted to be buried back in Canaan. And he'd made the request to Pharaoh. And we pick up in verse 6. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father and with him all of the servants of Pharaoh and the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house, only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there they there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. So Joseph didn't just go up with a few servants. 
he didn't go up with just his own servants either. He went up, his family went up, all the adults went up, a lot of the major people within uh, the Egyptian government came with them in honor of Jacob. This huge group of people traveled out to Canaan for the purpose of mourning Jacob of Israel. And this had to have been uh, something very significant to the people who were still in Canaan at this time. This didn't happen. You didn't have a, a large group of Egyptians coming for the sake of mourning. Usually when Egyptians came up to Canaan in a large group, it was, it was an army. It was not an army here. Um, we'll pick up in verse 12. So his sons did for him as he commanded them, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. And now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So even after all this time, years had gone by, decades had gone by, um, Joseph's brothers were still scared. They thought that maybe the only reason Joseph had not gained any revenge was the fact that, that Jacob was still alive. This was not the case, but that's what they thought. And they acted accordingly uh, by sending a servant to tell this lie to Joseph. And Joseph knew what it was. And because he knew what it was, that's why he wept. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day and to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph didn't scold them. What he did was simply repeat in some different words what he had already said to them decades before, that, that this was all part of God's plan. The evil that they had meant for him was God's plan, that it was meant that he would be in a position to save his family, which he did, and that nothing had changed, that what he had said back then was the same thing that he was saying now, and that they had no reason to fear him. In verse 22, So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. 
the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land and into the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and, and you will carry my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. So Joseph lived a long life in Egypt. Almost all of his adult life was spent in Egypt, but he still had an attachment to Canaan, and he knew that someday his people would go back to Canaan. And that's where he wanted to be permanently buried, in Canaan. And so with that, he asked the people who remained to promise him to take him back. And it wasn't just making them promise, but it was also um, him telling them that there would be a time that the people would go back and... He was so sure of it that he wanted them to make plans to take his remains when they left. And that's actually the end of the book of Genesis. It's sort of the anticlimactic chapter after all the big events. And I have something that's a little different. It's kind of a review of the story of Joseph with little bits of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, I first heard the story, all of these stories, when I was young. And one thing that I had wondered when I was young was, um, how come Jesus didn't come from the line of Joseph? That would have made the most sense to me. And that's not what happened. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? And I've been puzzled by it and puzzled by it. And in going through the book of Genesis this time, I've become less puzzled. And um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a look at Judah. And I'd like for you to take a look at Judah. And the way to do that is I'm actually going to do something different. It's sort of like, um, it's a dramatic reading. It's like a a radio play. So I'm not going to be acting, but I am going to be reading in character, so you may or may not want to look at me. You may not want to look at me anyway, but um, you may not want to because I'm going to be reading in character, but I'm not going to be acting in character, okay? <clears throat> and it's taken from Scripture. I, I have some opinions about how Judah, Judah must have thought, so um, those opinions are there, but um, the important things I, I, I left and I actually ran this past Pastor Joe just to make sure I didn't miss anything so I think we're okay there and now I'd like to read it to you the story of Joseph through the eyes of Judah I come from a prosperous family some would call it a great family you have another word that would describe my family. Dysfunctional. It started with my great-grandfather, Abraham. He was a great man, 
God spoke to him, calling him out of Ur to come to a land that was not his, and that he would make from him a great nation. Abraham was a man of means, of possessions. He came with whatever possessions he could take, along with his servants and his wife Sarah. What he didn't bring with him was children, because they didn't have any. They were older as it was, and with the passing of time, it seemed like it was too late to have any children. While Sarah took matters into her own hands, families that were rich enough to have servants could take one, a handmaiden, to bear a child, and that child would be adopted into the family. Big mistake. Apparently, that's not what God had in mind. There was conflict between the handmaiden, Hagar, and Sarah. One of them had to go, and it was Hagar. Sarah had had her own son at a very old age, too old to bear children, at least so it seemed. Her son was Isaac, my grandfather. Hagar took her son Ishmael with her. Well, they were both kicked out. The Ishmaelites act like they're not related to us, but they'll do business. You might ask how a great man like Abraham who spoke to God would go along with all of this. On the other hand, he's the same guy who passed off his wife as his sister to Pharaoh while in Egypt and then did it again to the chief of the Philistine kings. So I guess nobody's perfect, right? My grandfather, Isaac, didn't make the same mistake. Oh, he did pass my grandmother Rebecca off as his sister to the man who was at the time chief of the Philistine kings, but at least he stuck to one woman. Kept it simple. Of course, you can try to keep it simple and sometimes it gets complicated anyway. You see, Rachel had twins and God told her that the older son Esau would serve the younger one, Jacob, who's my father. It turned out that she was closer to Jacob anyway. He stuck around the household and helped run things. Esau, he liked to go out and hunt. Not really a help to the family business, but Isaac thought it was great. So Rachel favored one, and Isaac the other. Dysfunctional. Uncle Esau didn't think much of the business at all, and Jacob knew it, to the point that he bought Esau's birthright for a meal of lentils. That meant that Esau sold it to him. Oh, he complained years later that Jacob stole the birthright, but he didn't. He did steal something else. You see, later on, my grandfather Isaac was old and blind, and he had decided to give his blessings to his son while he could. That's when my grandmother Rachel decided to take matters into her own hands. How, you might ask? Well, she got Jacob to wear goatskin to appear hairy like Esau because he was a hairy guy. Even dressed him in Esau's clothes. My father Jacob stole the blessing in that way because Isaac gave him the blessing thinking it was Esau. And then he fled. Isaac, uh, Jacob fled because Esau was going to kill him. Father was going to pay Aram anyway to get a wife, but he left that much quicker. Along the way, God spoke to him in a dream and repeated the same promises made to Abraham. And my grandfather, Isaac, he lived for 40 more years. Go figure. So father gets to Padan Aram, 
and he met the love of his life. Rachel, the daughter of Laban, who was from Sarah's family, father worked seven years to gain her marriage, her hand in marriage. Seven years. I hear the wedding was quite the party. Father could not see the bride except for her eyes. So imagine his surprise when he woke up the next day next to Rachel's older sister, Leah, my mother. Anyway, Jacob got to marry Rachel, but he'd have to work seven more years. And now he had two women, sisters, complications. It was hard for my mother because she knew, she knew that she was not really wanted and there was nothing she could do about it except bear children. She did not get much time with father, but it didn't take much time with her. First Reuben, then Simeon the next year, then Levi, then me. Meanwhile, Rachel was barren. By the time Levi was born, Rachel was impatient and ended up, she ended up doing the very same thing great-grandmother Sarah did. She gave her handmaiden, Bilhah, to bear a child with. And Dan was born right before I was, and Naphtali a year later. Well, mother decided two could play at the same game and gave father Zilpah to bear children with. So Gad and Asher followed. And after that, it turned out mom wasn't finished after all. She had Issachar, then Zebulun, then our only sister Dinah. So, one man, four women, 11 children. Dysfunctional? Yes, indeed. I know Dan's technically older than me, but I used to tell him that didn't count. You see, me, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, we were what you called the A-team. And Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, yeah, the B-team. They didn't like to hear that, so we reminded them at every opportunity. At least the older ones did. And it seemed like nothing would bring the ten of us together, nothing, until Joseph was born. Joseph, the golden boy, oh, the chosen one, the dreamer. Dreams where the rest of us were bowing down to him. In one dream, we brothers were all sheaves of wheat bowing down to his sheaf of wheat. In another, the sun and the moon along with the stars were bowing down to him. And that's father and mother. Aunt Rachel had died by then. She had died having her second son, Benjamin. So my mother, Leah, was the only one left. And she was bowing down to Joseph? And then there's the coat. The coat? Well, what's the big deal about a coat? Well, it had many colors, many expensive colors. And it's a way of Father saying he was the chosen one. And now we had a coat to remind us every single day. We'd had enough of Joseph by the time Father sent him to spy on us. Oh, he says to check on us. But it was spying just the same. When he arrived, we sent the servants back, said we'd take care of him. How? Kill him. At least that was the idea that some had. I know, that might just be words for most people. But Simeon and Levi, they had no problem killing you see, there was this village, it was Sheshem. The prince of the city saw Dinah, our sister, and he, he took liberties with her, the kind of liberties a man is not supposed to take of a virgin. 
Then later he said he wanted to marry Donna. And we agreed, but only if the men were circumcised. Now, that's something that normally happens to infant males. It had to hurt if you were a grown man. And that was fine with me. But then Simeon and Levi, they took their swords and they went house to house to house to house. And they killed every man. I couldn't believe it. What a mess. I had to help clean it up. Take the stuff that had value, the livestock, the possessions, not to mention the women and children. Decide what to keep, what to sell. Anyway, I knew that Simeon and Levi, I knew what they had in mind with Joseph. You see, they're thugs. They're hammers. You know, a hammer where any problem is a nail that can be pounded down if you have enough brute force. Not thinkers. Remember our sister Dinah, the one they supposedly destroyed Sheshem to avenge? Well, she could be married off if she was a virgin. She could even be married off if she was a widow. Problem was, she was neither. So she would never marry, never bear children. She acted like her life may as well have been over. They didn't do her any favors. No, they weren't thinkers. And Reuben tried, and I tried, to stop him from killing Joseph. Now Reuben, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he talked, talk, he talked, he talked. We didn't listen to him. We'd stop listening to him after Bilhah. Yeah, you see, Bilhah, Rachel's handmaiden, Bilhah, that one, he took up with her. You're not supposed to do that. He knew it. He knew it. He did it anyway. Father didn't do anything about it. I was kind of surprised. But he stopped talking to him like he was in charge, at least in charge of us. So did we. Simeon and so who's in charge if he's not? Simeon? Levi? No, no, no. Hammers, remember? How about Dan? He's older than me. Well, he's B team. Mm-mm. It fell to me. And with the Joseph situation, Reuben had managed to get him tossed into a dry well for the time being. I, he thought he could come back later and get him. You know, maybe, maybe not. I had to do something. I couldn't just order Simeon and Levi. Remember, they're hammers, and I didn't want to be a nail. Mm-mm, no. But then an Ishmaelite caravan came by. You know, they still talk to us like they're not related to us, when they talk at all. And they hardly spoke, but enough that we could make a deal. Twenty shekels of silver later, Joseph was on his way to Egypt, alive and well. And hey, if he was really the golden boy, cream would rise to the top and he'd have some cushy head servant job. It's better than the alternative, right? So we tore the coat of many colors into many pieces and we covered it with animal blood, and we showed it to Father, and we told him that Joseph had been killed by wild beasts. And something in Father died that day. Well, time went by. I, got, I was married. I married a good woman, Shua. Only one woman, because I know better. A Canaanite, but I loved her, and she was good to me, and she gave me three sons, Er, Onan, and Shelah. And I married her off to Tamar, who seemed like a nice enough girl at the time anyway. But then Er died, 
and I gave her in marriage to Onan, because that's what you do in those situations. Onan knew he had a duty to his late brother to father a child with Tamar, who'd be his brother's heir. But Onan didn't want to do that. You would think that would not come up in family conversation, but then again, you haven't met Tamar. <laughs> well, Onan died too, and that's when I decided that girl, Tamar, she's a curse. She could stay with us and wait for Sheila to come of age, but I was going to make sure it took a long, long time. Meanwhile, my wife, Shua, she died, and I was grieving. I couldn't just get married again, at least not yet. I still miss the company of women, though. And you see, there are these women, they're temple women. I didn't care much about that, but there were women that made themselves available for company. I'd go visit them from time to time and, you know, pay. I'm not proud of it, but it wasn't like it wasn't done. One day I'd stopped by and I found I left my money bag at home, so we had to negotiate and we agreed on a payment. A goat. Okay, a goat. So I gave her my cord and my staff bearing my seal, and I'd come back with the goat and retrieve it. And actually, I didn't even do that. I asked my friend Hira to go back and bring the goat. And he got there with the goat and was told that she wasn't there, that woman wasn't there, and the other women didn't even know who she was. And that was strange. Well, a little while later, Tamar was found to be pregnant. Now, local custom in that situation allowed for execution, so I had, a I had a solution to my Tamar problem, or so I thought. That is, until she pulled out the cord and the staff, the one with my signet, she said that the owner of it was the father of her child. Well, I admitted it. She was more righteous than I was. She saw right through me. She saw that I would never give Sheila to her, ever. But it was more than that. They couldn't have understood. It was the how I saw things. You see, it was easy to for me to compare myself to other people, especially if it was Reuben or Simeon or Levi. I couldn't. I wouldn't see myself as the one who didn't try to stop what happened to Chesham and instead helped plunder the city and sell their survivors into slavery. I wouldn't see myself as the one who found it easier to blame Tamar for the death of Er and Onan than for me to admit that sons of mine were evil and actually deserved their fate. I wouldn't see myself as consorting with women who are temple prostitutes of local gods, even though I knew we were to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I wouldn't admit to myself that I wanted to get rid of Joseph and send him off to an uncertain fate. I'd rather pat myself on the back for saving his life. I, I was wrong. I, I needed to change. You know, you, you have a word for this. Repentance. So time went by, and we had years of almost unbelievable plenty, seven years of them. Then the famine, years of famine, a couple of years into it, we needed to get food from outside of Canaan, which is unheard of. We heard Egypt had food, but even then it wasn't me who decided to make the journey. Father had to do that, even though he was a shell of a man at that point. He lost Rachel, then Joseph. Benjamin was a young man, but he kept a close eye over him still. Father never said anything to us, but he never acted like he trusted us again. 
We went to Egypt, all of us but Benjamin, and we arrived and we were ushered in to see Zephaneth Paneah. He ran the country for Pharaoh. We were surprised and we bowed down before him. Sure, we were kind of a big deal in Canaan, but not enough to see someone important like him. But then, then he started accusing us of being spies. I mean, he went through an interpreter, but he started accusing us. And I, it looked like maybe he understood us as we were speaking. Nah. But, but we kept saying we were just there to buy food. He didn't believe us, and he started asking us questions about our family. Like, was our father alive? Yes. Did we have more brothers? Yes. So I said, yes, Benjamin and Joseph, and Joseph had died. And he said he wanted to see Benjamin to see if we were telling the truth. He said he'd keep us all there and allow one of to return with the food. But then he put us into custody for three days. You know, it wasn't jail, but we couldn't leave. After that, he brought us back out and said that instead we'd all go except one. He picked Simeon. I guess if he had to pick one, he made an excellent choice. Still, I didn't want to see anything happen to my brother. Zephaneth Paneah said, unless Benjamin was with us, we'd never see his face again. And that meant we'd never see Simeon again. So we went back. And we found that in addition to the grain, we still had our money. How did that happen? We wondered what God was doing to us. Was a payment for what we had done to Joseph? Well, we returned and we explained it to Father, and he said that Benjamin would not return to Egypt. He said it would kill him if something happened to Benjamin. Instead, he acted like Simeon was gone for good. Well, time went by and the famine continued. Father said we needed to go back to Egypt, and I said we couldn't do it without Benjamin. He finally let us take him only because we'd have starved to death otherwise. Father did have us take double the silver this time in case anyone accused us of not paying the first time. And then we got to Egypt and we saw Zephaneth Paneah right away. And he had his servants take us to his house for a meal at noon. And then I saw the house steward. You know, he spoke our language. I asked him about the silver in our packs and he said, no, 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 it was okay. It had been paid the first time. And then he took our donkeys and fed them and he gave us water to wash. And then Zephaneth Paneah appeared and, and we bowed down before him because that's what you do when you see a guy like him, you bow down. He asked more questions and then about Benjamin. So we presented Benjamin and he acted really happy. It was strange. And then they released Simeon, who looked well. And then at noon we had this great feast and everyone had plenty and Benjamin had five times more than anyone else, which is kind of weird. But, you know, we ate and drank. It was okay. And then the next morning we left with the food to bring back and we'd gone only a short distance and then there were guards, they stopped us. And then we saw the steward of Zephaneth Paneah, and, and he said that we were accused of stealing the special silver cup of Zephaneth Paneah. How could that be? We hadn't stolen anything. The steward said the one who had the cup would be a slave. I said, fine, we're innocent. So they went through our sacks one by one, and they got to Benjamin, and Benjamin had the silver cup. How could that be? We all were taken back to Zephaneth Paneah, and then he started lecturing us, like, how could we get away with this? How did we think we could get away with it? Uh, he said Benjamin would stay at his, he, he'd stay as a slave. 
I begged him to take me instead. I had done more than enough wrong in my life. Benjamin hadn't done anything wrong, and I would have killed father. I begged and I pleaded, told him how Joseph had been torn to pieces, and that made Benjamin the only other son of his beloved wife, Rachel. That's why it was so important. And when I offered myself, something changed in him. He, he paused. He had this funny look on his face, and then he started weeping. And then he started speaking to us in our language. He was more than Zephaneth Paneah. He was our brother, Joseph. And we thought then we were all doomed. Well, all but Benjamin. But Joseph said, no, he wasn't angry. He said that our selling him into slavery was part of God's plan to save our family, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted us all to come to Egypt because he said there'd be five more years of famine. Now, how he knew that, I don't know. But at this point, was I really going to ask? No, 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 no. But what we didn't get was what we deserved. Instead, we received mercy. He sent us back to get our families and return, and we returned for the, f and for the first time in many years, there was a glimmer of life in our father. He had Joseph back. And as it was, the dreams turned out to be true. We had all bowed before Zephaneth Paneah, before Joseph. And now Joseph had provided for us in Goshen within the land of Egypt. And we even met Pharaoh. And he seemed happy to meet us, especially happy meeting father. And time went by. Eventually the famine ended. And we went back to being as normal as we were ever going to be at that point. Eventually father was close to death. He called us in to speak to us, Joseph first with his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Joseph certainly got the most time, well, the golden boy. But you know what? He deserved it. He was a better man than any of us. And then father called all of us. He spoke blessings, but also foretold something of what would become of our descendants. And some of it was hard to understand, but some of it was very plain. It didn't go well for some of my brothers, Reuben, Simeon, Dan, whew. but not as bad as I expected for Levi. And Joseph did get a lot of time, but not everything I expected. What I wasn't prepared for was what I heard when Father spoke my name. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Me? I'm the chosen one? Somebody that important is going to come through me? Not Joseph? And Joseph didn't seem troubled by this at all. He had a look on his face like it was part of a larger plan. I guess he's had enough experience to know that. But I was troubled. I didn't understand it. It turns out that you have a word for that too. Grace. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have Children's Church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. 
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.